that one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Once again, my name is Ricardo, one of the leaders here. I'll be um, with you guys this week as we are just continuing through the book of Philippians. Um, we're going to be in chapter 4 this week in the first seven verses. And we just want to say it's been a great time. Um, this book has been, for me personally, a blessing, has been a real encouragement. And it kind of um, just speaks as when we first met with, with Pastor Ralph and Mark and, and tried to figure out which book we're going to be doing next after we, we done finished James. Um, Pastor, Pastor Ralph and, and Tim suggested that we, we kind of walk through, through the book of Philippians. And it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know for you guys, but for me, it's, it's been a blessing to kind of just walk through and really just see how it really is speaking to where I'm at in my walk and where I feel like we are as a, as a church family as well as what we're going through is this, in this time of transition. And it's just it's been a great book that's just been a great reminder. And really what we see is when we get into to the passage today, it's really speaking to what we're going through as a church family now, where, where as, as we're getting to transition, as, as things may be happening that, that we didn't see, that we didn't foresee happening, but that where the Lord is sovereign and the Lord knows everything. He's kind of has us in this time and he has us going through this book for his purpose, for us to be reminded of who God is, of who Christ is, and the work that he's done on the cross on our behalf. So as, as we get into to the passage today, we'll see that, that this is kind of speaking to us where we're at now, and hopefully it could be a blessing to, to us. Hopefully it can encourage us and really help us push forward and continue to go forward in, in this tough time that, that's difficult for, for all. So if you can, with me, if you can turn to Philippians, and as we've been doing the past several months, we're going to stand for the reading of God's word, and we're going to be in, in the first seven, seven verses. So if you're able to, please stand. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat and I treat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God. We, we, we humble ourselves before your throne, Father God, and we thank you for, for the love and mercy. Lord, we thank you for, for being the one who was always behind the scene, bringing us to yourselves, Father God. We thank you for reconciling us, people who don't deserve your love, people who don't deserve your grace, yet you saw fit to send your son to die on the cross on our behalf for our sins, Father God. So we thank you for that, for Lord. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord, and the things that you've yet to do. Lord, we ask that you could bless this time together, Lord, as, as we spend the next several moments in your word, Father God. We ask that, that it's a time of growth, that it's a time where, we're, where some of us are challenged, some of us are encouraged, Father God. And that as, 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 as we leave here today, that, that we're not the same people who we are when we came through this door, Lord, but that we leave change, we leave 
closer to you, Father God. So we ask that you bless this time, Lord. We ask that you, you eliminate any distractions, Lord, that, that your work be done, Father God, that, that, that we receive what you want us to receive, Lord, that we hear what you want us to hear, Lord. Chisel away any areas that aren't conforming to you, Father God. Be with us, Lord. Be here in this time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be edifying to these people. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're going to, I have three points for you guys. And as you see, if you have it, your outline, it's really just, we need to remain in the Lord. And we're going to see what that means in, in three different aspects. And we see kind of right, right off the bat in the first two, first two, three verses, we see that, that we are called in the Lord, in Christ, to remain, to stand firm, and to have unity in the Lord, have unity in Christ. So we see this right, right from the bat. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. Real quick, I just, I feel like sometimes we, we, we look over when Paul calls these, these, these churches, these members, he says, therefore, my brothers. And we have some, we look over that simple, yeah, I think it, it, it has, we have to be reminded of that every so often. That we have a tendency to overlook that the fact that as a church body, as members here, that we are a family. That we are a family under the same household of faith, under the same Father in heaven. That we are to treat one another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to be reminded that, that we are a family. We are of the same family. That, that the same blood that saved us, that saves all of us. And we sometimes just overlook something as simple as that. And I feel like it's good to be reminded that, that we are here under this church, a, a family, under the same household of faith, under the same God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. It says in Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. So, so we see that, that as times get difficult, as we go through life, we need to cling and we need to help those who are our family, those who, who we have something in common. And what we have in common is that we've all been saved by, the, by God, by the creator of the universe. The reason that we can call ourselves one body, the reason that we can call ourselves a family is because of the work of Christ on the cross. That's what saves all of us. That's what binds all of us. That's what unites all of us, is, is what Christ has done on the cross. Not our own preferences, not our own ideas or, or, or emotions, but it's what Christ has done on the cross that binds us, that unites us as a church family. And we see all throughout scriptures that we're called to treat one another. As it says in Romans 12, 12 10 to 13, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That, that as a family, we are, we are to show a brotherly affection, a sisterly affection to everyone who is in our family as, as a church body. And we're called, as it says here, to stand firm in the Lord. So what we do when we stand firm in the Lord, we stand in the power and in the strength of, of the Lord, of, of God of the universe. And so what we have to do is to remain to stand firm in that. We, we stand firm in the truth that we have 
been saved, that we have a condition that, that, that's been given to us by God himself, and we stand in the fact that we have been redeemed, that we have been reconciled to the God of the universe, to the creator of everything. And we stand in that. We stand in that's what we have in common, that we've been saved, that we've been reconciled to the God of the universe, to the sovereign Lord, to the all-knowing, all-powerful God. And what happens is when we do not stand firm in the Lord, when we, we do not allow ourselves to be upheld by God, we begin to fail, we begin to fall apart, and, and things tend not to work that way. And when we're not standing in God, when we're not standing in the Lord, and we're not being upheld by, by, by the God of the universe, that is at times when, when divisiveness and, and things like that creep into the church, where, where we allow false teachers to come in, or, or sometimes we allow our emotions or our preferences to take precedence over everything else. If we don't stand in what saves us all, we don't stand in the same thing that is in the Lord. We see here, Paul, he, he calls Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He says, I entreat you, or, or as some, some as, a, as a New American Standard Bible says, I urge you or, or I plead, I, I appeal to you to please stand firm, to please agree in the Lord. And it's very strong language here that Paul uses when he's like, I, I urge you. He's trying to make a case. He's, I urge you, I plead with you to please stand in unity, stand in agreement in the Lord. And we see, as, as, as we go through our Bibles, we see that, that whenever Paul really talks about unity, he always adds in the Lord to it. That we are to stand united as one church, as one body, in the Lord. Not in anything else, in the Lord. The things that binds us, the thing that brings us together, it's not the things that we like. It's not the things that we enjoy. It's the fact that we've all been saved by the same God, that we've all been redeemed by the blood of Christ, by his work on the cross, by his resurrection. We are made a new creation, and we unite in that. That's what binds us together. It doesn't matter what you may like, what you may feel, or, or whether you agree with whatever may be going on, at the end of the day, what unites us is what we have to agree is in the Lord. It's the work of Christ that, that ultimately brings unity to this community, not anything else. And we see here that these are, these are great women who have labored with Paul. It says this in, in verse 3, I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. Or, or as, some has, as some translations may say, who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. They're called, in essence, what John Calvin calls them, is they're fellow soldiers of Paul, that they've worked with Paul in helping to spread the gospel. And somehow, some way, they, they have this disagreement. And notice that, that we're, not, we're not given what they disagree on. Paul doesn't, doesn't, work, doesn't say plainly for us what to disagree. I mean, we can, we can have all these ideas and we can try to figure it out, but I, don't think, Paul, I think Paul doesn't tell us for a certain reason. Because at, at the end of the day, it, it does not matter what, what they are disagreeing on. What Paul is calling them to is to, to, to agree in the Lord, agree that in the truth's of God's word. There comes a point 
where, where we need to not focus on what divides us, but focus on what, what unites us. Focus on what brings us together. What matters the most to Paul and what should matter the most to us is that we stand united as one body. Despite what may be going on, despite our, our feelings, we are to unite as one body under the Lord and in the Lord. See that phrase again, in the Lord. We stand firm, we agree, and stand firm in the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that, that anything that God is not in, that, 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 that's not in God, will fail. It will not work if it's not in the Lord. If, if we don't keep the focus on God, if we don't keep the focus on the work of Christ, whatever we may try to do will fall apart. And if that's true, then the opposite's also true. That, that whatever is broken, that whatever is disjoined, that, that Christ can mend those together. That, that anything can be united under Christ and in Christ. As it says in Colossians 1.17, that he, speaking of Christ's supremacy, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We are to remain united and stand firm in the truths of the gospel, in the Lord, in his work, and what he's done on our behalf. So Paul, we see here, he's first, he's first calls these, these two women to remain, to agree in the Lord. But then he calls for someone, and we're not given a name. We don't know who Paul is speaking about, but he just simply says in verse 3, I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. And what we see is that, is that sometimes... We are called as, as, as fellow believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that sometimes there's an intervention of, of search that's needed. That, that we are called to help. We are called to be peacemakers, as it says in Matthew 9, 5, 9. That we are called to, to make sure that as a body of Christ, that there's unity amongst ourselves. As it outlines in Matthew 18, as, as, we, as we may feel wronged against or we may, we may feel sinned against, there's a certain way, that the protocol that we have to follow. And it's, that's what we need to be doing is we need to be peacemakers in the church. We need to be trying to unite one another. Some of that is, is having to, to put aside our egos. Like for these, for these women, for these ladies to be able to, to agree in the Lord, as Paul is calling them, they have to, in a sense, put their egos behind them and really talk about what's bothering them, the issues at hand, and address those things, not ignore them, but in love, in Christ, agreeing in, in the Lord, you walk to that person and you talk it out. We don't just go around gossiping. Paul is calling them to, to talk it out, to really just sit down in prayer and in God and flesh out the things that, that, that are bothering us. And we're called to be united in Christ. And it's, it's a call to action we see here. Paul is calling these women to action, but he's also calling the people of the Philippian church to action as well. That, that, that as you see there's disagreement, help them. Help them come together. Help them figure it out. Help unity. Be a peacemaker. Sometimes that's what's needed. Is sometimes we have to be willing to be in the middle of it. 
we help those who are having this agreement and, and, and we encourage reconciliation. When we, when we see people who, who aren't seeing eye to eye, who are having issues, what we cause, we send them. Why don't you go talk to that person? In prayer, let's pray together, and you need to go address that with them. If you need me, if you want help, I can come with you. But we are called to be peacemakers. We are called to help reconcile the church together, to help to bring unity. We encourage reconciliation. We don't go around talking ill of people. We address the problems, and we, re- we remain in the Lord, and we pray for reconciliation in times of hardships, in times of struggle. Going on to verse 4, my second point, we are called to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. We see this really simple. He simply puts it in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This idea of always, it really means always. That at all times, no matter what you're going through, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of, 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 of confusion, in, in the deepest of the valleys, we are called to rejoice in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord in times of hardship is ultimately it's, it's to trust God. Trust that he is sovereign. Trust that he does have your best interests at heart. Trust that he is working behind the scenes for you. Trust that, that he is a merciful. Trust that he is a loving and gracious God. And it's in that, it's in that trust that we're able to, to ultimately just rejoice before the Lord, rejoice in him. That we're called to rejoice in dangerous times. We're called to rejoice in times of trouble where we don't know all the answers, where things seem like they're not going to work out. Paul's saying rejoice in the Lord. In times of uncertainty, in times when things aren't going the way you want them, the way that you have planned them out in your life, Paul calls us to rejoice in those times. And we can't forget that, that Paul is writing this letter from imprisonment, that, that he's calling them to do these things while he himself has, has been persecuted. He himself has been beaten. Yet Paul still brings joy. Paul still rejoices in, in the Lord and it, going through all that, going through the persecution, going through the beating as we read about today in Sunday school. Paul Through all that, he still rejoices in the Lord, rejoices in the truth that he has been saved, that he has been reconciled to the God of the universe through the blood and work of Jesus Christ. He calls them to rejoice. Paul himself joys. He's a joyful person, and he calls others to be joyful as well. And we... John Calvin puts it this way. The sum, then, is this, that come what may, believers having the Lord standing on their side have amply sufficient ground of joy. That no matter what you may be going through in life, no matter how difficult your circumstances may be, that at the end of the day, we still have the Lord on our side. And that's sufficient enough, that's ample enough for us to rejoice in that fact. We rejoice in the times of hardships. We rejoice in times where, where life is just difficult because we know what, 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 pers- what um, suffering brings. As it says in Romans 5.3, rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. 
That is why we rejoice in time of suffering, where, where, we can, where Paul calls us to, to always rejoice in the Lord. Because no matter what, there's always a reason, there's always a cause to rejoice in Christ. That, that no matter what you're going through, the grace of God is always sufficient. That the blood of Christ will always be in working in you. That his righteousness, that his salvation that he's given us is an everlasting salvation. That his righteousness poured on us lasts through all, for all eternity. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in the truth of what is taught to us in the scriptures. That no matter what we go through, no matter how difficult life may get, we always have cause to rejoice in the Lord. We have to keep our focus on that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice that no matter how difficult, no matter what you're going through, there's something to be thankful for. There's something to rejoice in. The simple fact that you're no longer who you were, that the God of the universe saved you. He's plucked you from your situation. He's declared you righteous through the blood of Christ, and now you stand in that. My last point is, in the Lord we are called to remain prayerful. Verses 5 through 7. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here he says, let your reasonableness be known or, or, or your gentleness or, or, or your gentle spirit, as, as the NASB says, that, that he's, he's calling us to, to, to let people know that we have a gentle spirit. As Calvin writes in his commentary, that he calls to, to almost an evenness of mind, a coolness of mind that walks in a way that's merciful towards your brothers, that's merciful towards your, your sisters in Christ. It's this idea of, of letting your reasonableness be known. It's this idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt and not always assuming the worst in people. It's kind of what, what, what Paul writes in, in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, where he says, Do nothing from rivalry, from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what Paul is talking about here, that we are to walk in this manner, walk with, with, with this mindset that, that, that um, we see the good in everyone, that we don't automatically assume the worst, that we are to walk in, in the spirit that, that, that sees the good and that prays for the good. And we don't always just go around assuming the worst of people. So it's, it's really before he gets into the section of prayer, Paul Paul's saying, just check your hearts. Check yourselves. Make sure that, that you have this reasonableness of the mind. And he says, he says here in verse 5, he says, Let it be known to everyone, to all men, both believer and non-believer. Let them know that this, this is you, that you have this, 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 this mind, that you have this gentle spirit to you, that, that you walk and are merciful towards other people. This has this idea of... of um, 
of walking, of let your reasonableness be known. It has to be true. It has to ring true. And first and foremost, it has to ring true in the church. If we're not, if we're not gentle spirit, if we're not, if we don't have this evenness in the mind in the church, then how do we expect to take it outside of the church? And that he's calling us to, to, to just be merciful towards one another. He ends it with, with the Lord is at hand. And really what he's talking about there is, is, is that, that Jesus Christ will return to judge and hold people accountable for their actions. This idea that, that Christ is near, that the judgment is coming. And so we are to walk this way and we are to act in, in this manner. And he goes on in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be known. He says, do not be anxious. We, we are not given the spirit of, of, of fear and timid, as it says in Second Timothy. Yeah, we are called not to be anxious, but as it says in Psalms 55:22, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Or as it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we're called not to be anxious. We're called not to worry about things that we are to, the things that, that, that keep us up late at night, the things that worry us. We're called to give those to God. What we cannot do is we cannot allow our anxiety, we cannot allow our, our disagreements or our sinful nature rob us of the joy that is found in the gospel community. That when people come together, we cannot allow these, these anxieties to rob that. That we are to give those up to God. We are to give everything that, that, that worries us, things that keep us late, the things that bothers us, the things that we feel wrong about or whatever it may be. We are called to give those to God. So he says, do not be anxious, but in everything, pray. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That instead of being anxious, anxious, Paul directs us to pray. What do we pray about? He says it's simply pray about everything. All may, make your requests be made known to God. He says pray in supplication. Pray by, in essence, by making a humble petition before God and giving thanks to God. You pray in that manner. I know I, I love my uncle. When I lived in Miami, he used to always have this verse on the back of his of his truck. And he had a different translation. He had the New Living Translation. And it puts it more plainly, and I think just simply puts it. It says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It's that simple. What Paul is calling us to do, he's saying, don't worry, but pray about everything. Bring everything to God. This idea that, that that's what, what, what God wants from us. That, that instead of worrying about, about what's going to happen in the next several months, instead of worrying about the things that's going on at work or, 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 or issues with our own family or, or, or this time of transition in the church, Paul's saying, don't be anxious about it, pray about it. 
by praying and by asking, by making this humble petition before God, what you're really saying is, Lord, I trust you, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you have your hand at work in this. I may not know all the answers. I may not know what's going to happen, but I'm going to come and I'm going to be, I'm going to pray to you. And I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. It's pouring our hearts out to God, and it's making our requests be made known to him. It's letting him know the things that we desire, the things that we want. And ultimately, we pray like this, but we also, we pray with giving thanks to God. We recognize our needs. We recognize the things that are, that are haunting us, the things that are keeping us up at night. We give them to God. And we also thank God, not forgetting for the things that he's given us the things that he's done, the areas that he's worked out. Every night I pray with my son before bed. I, I try to make that known to him. As we're praying, as we're asking God to give us a night of rest, as we're asking God to just be with us, we also, I'm always intentional with him to say, God, thank you for the small things. Thank you for the shoes. Thank you for this bed. Thank you for, for the sheets. Thank you for the toys. Always trying to show him that, that in our prayers, yes, we ask things, we make humble petitions, but we do not lose sight of what God has already done in our lives and the blessings that he's given us. We come and we ask and we let our requests be made known, but we still give thanks despite our circumstances. That, that we are called to, to, to let our requests be made known to God, the things we are called to openly pray. That doesn't have to sound pretty, doesn't have to sound eloquent, that we just pray to God and let him know what we're going through. Let him know the hurt, let him know the pain, let him know the things that we're struggling with. And at the same time, giving thanks for the small things or the big things, whatever it be, but, but just giving thanks to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Realize it's not the peace of the world, but it's the peace of God. Because the peace of the world doesn't really do much for us. doesn't really bring peace for us. But it's the peace of God that really surpasses, as he says, all understanding. It's the peace that comes from only knowing, from knowing the all-powerful, all-immutable God, all-knowing God. It's this peace that comes from that. It's this peace from, from, from resting in the fact that you have been saved by the Lord of the universe, that you have been saved by the God of the universe, that he has redeemed you. Not that you've done anything, but that God is the one who saved you, that God is the one who rescued you, that God is the one who's reconciling you to himself. And that peace that, that, that comes from just standing in the blood of Christ and realizing that it's his work on the cross that saves us, not ourselves. This, this peace that, that really surpasses all understanding. I'm reminded when, when I read this of, of about 12 years ago when I was 16, 17, I went on a missions trip. And, and a part of the missions trip was we went and we had to do um, The Amazing Race. I don't know if you guys ever watched that show. So a part of this, we, we went all throughout the city of Miami, and we had to complete different tasks. And one of the first tasks that we needed to do is we had to find someone in the center of downtown who was homeless, buy him a meal, but we needed to spend at least 45 minutes with him. We couldn't just buy him a meal and say bye, but we had to sit down and have a conversation and just talk with them, buy them a meal, feed them, and then just listen. 
And, and as, as we're doing this, he's, you know, he's asking us questions and he's realizing that we're from this, this church youth group. And he gets so excited. He, he goes into his bag and he pulls out his old Bible and he just starts sharing with us the love that, that he feels, that he's so thankful for, for the love of Christ in his life. And it's this man who, who sleeps on the streets, who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. But, but, but he's been saved by the Lord of the universe. And he has a peace of mind that, that he's thankful for just being alive despite his circumstances. And I, at 17, I couldn't, un, I couldn't fathom how this man could, could speak so, so happily, so joyfully uh, of the love of Christ that he's had in his heart. And it's really because the peace that comes from just standing in the Lord, realizing that you don't have to do anything, that the work has been done on your behalf, and that the Lord is redeeming you to himself. And it's that peace of mind that he had that really stuck with me, that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And that's kind of what Paul's talking about here, that this, this knowledge that, that surpasses all understanding, that, that, that despite what you're going through, that despite how difficult life may be, that we have this peace that comes, that we stand not as condemned, but as redeemed before the Lord of the universe because of the work of Christ on the cross. And that should bring us a peace. That should bring us a joy. That should lead us to, at the end of the day, rejoice before God because of what he has done on our behalf, not because of what we're doing. And it's this peace that will guard your hearts and your minds. This idea of it will basically guard all your soul. It's a peace that despite what you're going through, despite the difficulties of life, despite what may happen, brings and leads you to joy. And you see that, 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 call, that Paul is calling here in, in this, this set of passages, a church to, to unite as one body, that, that despite the disagreements that may be going on, that despite what may be happening, he calls them to rejoice in the Lord. He calls them to stand firm in the Lord and to stay in prayer before in the Lord. And so I believe that this is, this is important for us today as, 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 as some of us are hurting that we're going through this tough time as, as, a, as a family, as a church body, and, and we're all hurting, that no one has really called, no one wanted this to happen, but, but it has happened. And we have to remain faithful to God. We have to remain in the Lord. We have to agree in the Lord. We have to stand firm in the Lord that he will get us through this time. The most important thing that we need to do as, as a church family, we have to remain united in the Lord. We have to ultimately remind ourselves that this is God's church, not our church, but that we belong as a church body to God. And it doesn't matter what we're going through, that we are his bride. And as long as we keep that in mind and we pray, we will have peace. If we, if we, if we go to God, if we remain in God and we focus on him, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. But we have to remain in the Lord. We have to always be reminded of the fact that, that we are God's church, that we are God's children, and that we are in him. We are united by the same blood. The same blood unites all of us, and we have to stand firm in that truth. We have to stand firm in the fact that God has called us to greater things. And sometimes that doesn't look the way we want it, doesn't look the way that we would prefer it. 
But God has us in this time, and we have to trust in him that he knows exactly what he's doing. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you, Lord, and we, we don't know why certain things happen the ways that they do in our lives. We don't know why, 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 why we hurt sometimes, Lord. But what we do know is what your scripture says. That is that you are sovereign over all creation, Father God. That you loved us. That you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, Father God. That, that the wrath that we deserve has, was put on Christ on that cross, Father God. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that, that, that we ask that you remind us of that. That, that, that when, when we, we, we have a tendency to allow our worries, our concerns, our hurt to take over, Father God, that we're reminded of who we are in Christ, Father God. Be with us, Father God. May we, as one body, as one family, remain united in this time, Father God. May we keep our focus on you, Father God, not on our own preferences, but on the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God that he unites us, that he binds us. Be with us, Father God, as we go on our ways. Keep us safe on the road, Father God, as we celebrate the ladies that you've given us in our life, Father God. We ask that you be with us, that we do not, that we take the rest of this day to remember you, Father God, to remain in you, Lord, to stay in prayer. Keep us safe on the road. May we reach our destinations in in one piece, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen.